you know, I can't find my identity and the level I'm playing at or the next contract or what's in my bank account and, and all that sort sort of stuff. It's all fleeting, you know, um, but the, right. the relation, the relationships you build with your teammates and that connection and being able to share something that really matters. Like at the end of the day, sure. You'll win, you'll, you'll win some championships in your career. You remember that it's the, the players and, but at the end of the day, all that stuff is, it's just here today, gone tomorrow. Welcome to the Press Toward the Goal podcast. I'm your host, Jason Colley, and with me for this episode is a professional basketballer who has played on four continents with great success over the past 10 years. Jeremy Kendall, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me, Jason. Yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, I believe you're in New Zealand at the moment. You're actually away on a road trip. We are. We're up on the um, North Island at the moment. Uh, my team is based uh, in the South Island in Invercargill, but we're up in uh, New Plymouth. We're going to play the Taranaki Airs tomorrow night. Yep. And what what sort of what sort of game is that expected to be? Are they they traveling well? Is your team going well? So we're we're both kind of in the mix for finals. So tomorrow is um, an important game for both teams. Um, four games left on the uh, in the season regular season. So. Uh, we have a little bit of work to do, um, but tomorrow is definitely an important one. Very good. And um, by the time this episode's released, we'll probably know the outcome of that game. But um, I'm sure that we'll have people checking in from Australia and who knows where else to see how you've got on. Mm. Yeah. So um, let's get jump into a few get to know you type questions where we'll just try and learn a little bit about who you are, not just as a basketballer, as a Christian and as a professional athlete, but also who is the man, Jeremy Kendall. So what is the most used app on your phone? Ooh, most used app. Uh, I would say um, it'd have to be, uh, it'd have to be Instagram at the moment. Yep. I'd say just um, the reason being uh, I uh, run my coaching business and so I'm doing a lot of like editing uh, videos and and posting it on my social social. So that was probably that's probably one I'm most active on. So I have to say Instagram at the moment. Yeah, I see lots of reels being posted with training drills yeah. and that sort of things on your account. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, trying to, even though I'm you know I'm still playing, I'm I'm in season at the moment. I try to be as consistent as possible, although it's it's uh. It's difficult when when you're playing still, um, but at the same time, it's important to stay on there and keep feeding the the um, the people what they want. So, yep, and that's where the attention active. is. So that's where you've got to be. That's it. That's it. Uh, what's your what's nickname? Any nicknames? J.K. J.K. So should I be calling you J.K. for this conversation? Sounds good to me. That's JK. a uh, once I got to Australia, I think I uh, I got JK as a nickname, Jez, 
Jezza. They gave me a bunch of nicknames. Yep. So JK is the one that stuck. Yeah, we love a nickname in Australia, so um, I'm not at all surprised they threw a few at you. Definitely, definitely. Something that you eat or drink too much of? Um, eat or drink too much of? Um, probably these uh, no-sugar Gatorades. Probably... Uh, uh, they can be quite expensive when you're, when you're buying multiple ones uh, <laughs> weekly. And um, so I'm, I'm quite heavy on the electrolytes, especially in day before game, day of game. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, sweet potatoes here in New Zealand are crazy expensive. Wow. And uh, so probably eating too many of those than, than uh, what the bank account would like at the moment. But um, yeah, they're, they're quite expensive. I can say you're the first person I've had on the podcast who says they eat too many sweet potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's my favorite food. So whenever uh, I got here and started buying them, I was a bit bit shocked. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I'll say, yeah, Gatorade and sweet potatoes. (laughs) Yep, two relatively healthy options, probably better than chocolate, which is a common response that I get. I I ate that one pretty pretty uh it's pretty common for me too um like my sweets chocolate is definitely uh a go-to yeah very good uh what would you have done with your life if you weren't a professional basketballer um well that's that's actually a question that i i don't really i guess think a lot of um I know when I'm done playing, I know I'm going to get into coaching. But if I had never, you know, played professionally and maybe just played in high school or college, um, I reckon I may have still gotten in, into coaching. Um, either coaching or I was going to school for my MBA. So I was working on my master's in business yep. while I was still playing at Bellarmine. University in Louisville, Kentucky. So maybe something to do with business, but I definitely love basketball so much. I can't see myself uh, leaving the game anytime soon. Yeah, and how good if you can um, do what you love for a profession, whether you're involved as a player or a coach, it probably doesn't mm. get much better than that. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible career for sure. Very grateful for it. Do you have a piece of sports memorabilia or gear which you could never part with? Um, well, I was fortunate enough to win a national championship in college, so 2011 at Bellarmine. Um, so I think anything to do with that season uh, would be really hard for me to give up. Uh, you know, the championship net, um, uh, you know, jerseys, shoes that I wore that year, like all that sort of stuff is is collecting dust, but it's definitely uh, a sentimental good, good, value. Uh, definitely sentimental value. Can't see myself anytime soon, I guess, giving up any of that. And do, do you get a ring or something when you win those championships? Championship ring, yeah. Got a nice, nice, big, shiny, shiny uh, ring. Um, so yeah, it was uh, an incredible season. Definitely the best uh, memory for me as far as sports go goes. Yeah. Um, it's just they they don't hand those out. They're hard to to come across, and 
that was a really, really uh, special group of young men. Um, and uh, yeah, it was an incredible season. Yeah, then probably a bit foreign to us in Australia, but the university high school sports over in America is quite a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's massive. Uh, growing up in Indiana, um, where basketball is, you know, like it's a religion. Um, and, um, you know, high school games, I was playing in front of four or 5,000 fans on a weekly basis. Amazing. You know, big, big arenas, um, you know, just uh, really strong tradition uh, in Indiana high school basketball. And, and then to be able to play, you know, at Bellarmine University, which was Division Two at the time, but obviously we uh, helped turn the program into like a powerhouse and won a national championship. And now, the, now it's division one. And um, I've been a, a part of some really cool uh, basketball teams and my journey has been quite special. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll go into that certainly uh, as we have a chat now, just one final question I wanted to ask you just in this, this little section was your basketball heroes growing up. Who did you look mm. up to? Who did you aspire to be? Pistol Pete Maravich, um, Michael Jordan, and uh, Penny Hardaway. Yep. Big Those names. Probably big names. Probably my favorites. Um, and then as I got a little older, you know, you know, Jason Kidd, any of the point guards, high level point guards, Steve Nash, um, you know, Steph Curry now. Uh, he's he's definitely uh, my my favorite player to watch and and follow and learn from Damian Lillard. There's so many of them now that are so good and so skilled. Um, it's it's easy to go through the list and find something you admire about a bunch of them. But I would say the the big three for me as a as a youngster was definitely Pete Maravich, Michael Jordan, and Anthony Hardaway. You, you've touched there on some of the modern stars. What do you think the difference is in kind of following of the game in the Southern Hemisphere now being based in Australia and New Zealand the past few years? Obviously, the time zone's a little bit different, but what what's the following of the game down here? You're obviously still able to keep close tabs on what's going on in the NBA over there. Is it is it kind of as big as you thought? Is it bigger? Is it not as big as you thought it may be? Oh, there's there's certainly the the Australian and New Zealand connection with the NBA because there's no language barrier, you know, and that's what makes it special. And I think that's why um, the NBA has done an incredible job. And even Larry Kesselman in the NBL now is doing a great job trying to get over there and play preseason games. And there's a certain connection now that uh, that both parties, you know, the NBA and the NBL are. Uh, benefiting from but yeah the following here is is massive i mean um you know i think i don't know exactly how many people are are ordering the nba league pack you know annually here in australia and new zealand but it's it's got to be in the hundreds of thousands like uh i think that and then the way the way that the game's growing in this region of the world mixed with you know uh my boy Patty leading the Boomers on to uh, the first first bronze medal, you know, that was huge last Olympics. I think it's really big um, for the, the the region as a whole, and um, you know, with the professional leagues, even the NZNBL growing, 
the overall interest in basketball is at an all-time high, I think. And um, as long as the resource continues to get put into it and they keep the connections to the, the states and the NBA, I think that uh, I think that we're in good hands. Yeah, and I, you mentioned there kind of what's going on in New Zealand as well and you're playing there at the moment, but you've been involved with NBL 1 in Australia as well for some time. And one of my good mates actually went to a Red City Raw game for the for the first time about a week or two ago and he said he couldn't believe how how big the event it was. Like on the night, the, the crowd was really into it. It was really good quality uh, basketball as well. So even the depth below what we see in the more mainstream sort of media here in Australia, the game's evolving as well. Yeah, definitely. I think since um, the NBL took over the, um, you know, the name and rights of NBL one, and it's under that same banner, um, the exposure that NBL one is getting now is incredible. Um, I get messages all the time from people wanting to Americans wanting to come over and play in the NBL one and, the, with the goal of you know obviously making it to the top league the NBL with all the the uh, global attention and exposure it's getting so um, the game is certainly growing um, from the grassroots on up the participants are growing the interest like I said we just got to keep on pumping the resource into it and continuing to get the right leadership in, in positions to appoint people to keep the game growing at a pace that it needs to grow at in order to, I guess you can say, you know, catch up to EuroLeague, Europe, NBA, um, because I think that's the potential that this region has. Um, it's just, like I said, it's got to keep on, keep on growing. And um, I think they're finding Larry's doing a great job and, and, you know, basketball, Australia, basketball, New Zealand, they're doing a great job. The leaders are of, of making sure that they're doing the right things to to keep people involved and interested. Yeah, and you mentioned there people kind of approaching you about coming to play in Australia. How did your journey into the Australian basketball scene start? Shout out to Damian Anderson, Moose. Um, Damian Anderson is a uh, – he was coaching at Bellarmine after I played there. So I went to Morocco, Switzerland, Morocco. I was training with Bellarmine University in my offseason. And Moose was an assistant. He's from Brisbane. <clears throat> he had a connection, you know, with uh, Anthony Corcoran at, uh, at Toowoomba. And he had a connection with Michael Dirksen, at, um, who was coaching the women's side. And he said, look, I got a guy for you guys. Trust me. You'll thank me later. You got you got to take them, and that was just how I got over here. I didn't have an agent. It was um, just word of mouth through someone who believed in me. Um, so shout out to Moose. I hope he sees this interview. Um, but he's the reason I got here. You know, he was an incredible player in the Siebel. I think he scored uh, 60, 70 points in the game for Mount Gambia, and he's still coaching over in over in the states right now. Um, so he he's he I owe a lot to him, you know. He's the reason that, that I was able to make the jump over and um, you know, I played really well in Toowoomba, won MVP and that kind of just created kind of a, a domino effect. I then went to the Siebel, won MVP, then I went to NZNBL, won import player of the year, and it was kind of just a 
and just started moving up the chain from that from that opportunity in Suwumba. Yeah, that's brilliant. And like you said, you you worked your way up through the leagues and eventually found yourself in the NBL with a, mm. with a couple of teams you played for. Um, what what was the standard there? Or what what was the kind of expectation going into that sort of basketball level when you'd come from college and you'd been involved in a few other competitions in Australia prior to that? Yeah, I mean, for me, like I always, uh, I, I'm always going to back myself. So I always wanted to play uh, against the best, with the best, against the best in the top competitions, top leagues. And although, you know, I was a player who I played junior college in Division II basketball um, and was very successful at that second tier level, um, when I made the leap professionally, I always wanted to just be the best version of myself. And I, I felt, though, I had the potential to, to excel at the highest level. So uh, when I got to the NBL, it was something that I felt like I was very comfortable and I knew I was um, – this is where I belonged um, – Played for for Brisbane in a short, you know, kind of injury replacement gig my first year, and then, you know, my my second and third contracts. Although I didn't play a lot of minutes um, for the Sydney Kings and the Brisbane Bullets in two thousand eighteen nineteen, I actually played some really good basketball. I just wasn't quite given the responsibility or the role. I was only playing about ten twelve minutes a game, so um, it was certainly. Um, an experience that uh, I learned a lot from and I learned that, uh, you know, there's a bit of uh, politics in the game and there's some, some stuff that happens that, you know, it's quite out of your control, but um, I grew my character and my leadership and the things that are really actually important more than just scoring points and making money and making a name for yourself as a player. I know that my ultimate calling is going to be in coaching you know I think that my whole playing career is shaping me for that so um yeah the, the experiences in the NBL showed me a lot and um I'm very grateful for them I certainly haven't I guess shown my best basketball in the NBL I don't think but at the same time I think those experiences have made me a better person a better player certainly yeah great and talking of experiences <clears throat> I understand that um when you were at university, I think it was, you suffered some quite serious injury setbacks, which could have really derailed your transition into professional basketball and maybe wouldn't have seen you be where you are now, but I'm sure that they were character building. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, I, man, Jason, we, this might be longer than 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> I, I had some setbacks. So from... <clears throat> My senior year in high school, I had a stress fracture in my foot, and it was diagnosed as a sprained ankle. I played two-thirds of my senior year on a stress fracture. I then took a little time off to do therapy after the season. I, I signed a contract. I signed a scholarship to go to junior college. <clears throat> I then, a week before I left, I, I fractured that foot again, same spot. Well, again, I'm not again, I'm not sure I haven't gotten an x-ray. I haven't seen a doctor. So like I, I'm not I don't know that it's a it's a stress fracture. And I show up and, um, you know, go to the doctor. OK, they say it's a stress fracture, moon boot, cast, whatever. Um, 
it doesn't heal right. Go through the whole season not playing. I get surgery after the season in April. I go home. It's not healed. I have to get a second surgery from a different doctor back home in August, I think. Okay. So now I'm home for my second year in college. No scholarship. No team to play with. Just going to school part-time and working. My third year in college, I decided to go back to the junior college. First day of training, I broke my other foot. Well, it, it gets better. It gets better. Um, stay with me here. <laughs> two, month, two months out, I come back over like around Christmas. And then I break that same foot again in a different spot. So now it's like, okay, I'm out for the season. I was like, uh, I'm done, coach. I'm not even going to try to come back. Just I just need to somehow figure out why I'm, I'm breaking all these bones. So I changed my diet. I changed some of my, my lifestyle up a little bit. And how bit. old were you by this stage? 21. 2021 and uh, third year in college. Um, so I finally, three years I played you know, two games in junior college and both were on a, a broken foot, you know? So, well, wow. um, I finally got healthy and I was in Florida with my, my girlfriend at the time. And I got a call from coach Cooper at Bellarmine university he says, Hey, we just talked to your high school coach, Jimmy just, he says that, you know, when you're healthy, you know, you're the guy we need on our team. And I'm like, He's like, you know, we're talking and he's like, can you come try out, you know, have an open gym with us? And I'm like, well, I'm in Florida right now. Can you give me a few days to get home? <laughs> so I, we, we get home and like, I'm hadn't played basketball in a few weeks. Obviously I've been on vacation and uh, I had a tryout for Bellarmine and I just crushed it. And um, I was healthy. I was in shape and it was 20 minutes from my hometown. My mom had cancer at the time. Um, so we were very grateful for that opportunity because now that means my family gets to watch me play. I haven't played in three years. I'm finally on oh, full scholarship. My parents get to watch me play home games. So it was a quite a remarkable kind of, um, you know, you're down in the valley just – get this opportunity and you change some things. Yeah. But it's like God's grace all over your career because amazing. I, sh- I should have never gotten that opportunity, you know? Um, but I was very, very fortunate to get it. And like I said, three healthy years at Bellarmine national championship, all American, two time all American. And it was just an incredible three years of my life. And was there any point, I mean, you described there you were in the Valley, unimaginably tough times I imagine there would have been parts along that road where you would have thought I'm done I can't do this this is just too hard you know it's too much is that fair to say for sure for sure um you know some you know when you're not getting what you want and you feel like you're doing everything you can that can be a very lonely place emotionally and um Mentally, you know, at that stage, I wasn't a reborn Christian. So to me, how I perform on the court is a reflection of who I am as a person, yeah. my value. So my identity was wrapped up in the game. Um, and I felt like if I wasn't playing, 
then no one would respect me. Or if I wasn't on scholarship or playing, or if I didn't become a professional, my life was a failure. You know, that's just what I thought. So maybe, you know, in a way that kind of was a gift having that type of mentality, but it was certainly an Achilles heel at times too, because you can really get down, really, really go to some low, dark places um, when you're not getting what you want because of injury. So yeah, I rode that roller coaster. Um, I was fortunate that I had great people in my corner help me along the way. My parents supported me every step of the way. And I think at the end of the day, the thing that separate me is I was never afraid of working hard um, and going above and beyond as far as time and energy invested. And I was never afraid to like change, you know, like change my diet for the better, change my workout training routine for the better, you know, um, change, you know, my mentality even like just seek things that I felt were going to maybe add a little value to me as a player or person. And um, I just kept refining how I did things. And eventually I had that breakthrough. I got healthy. I had the breakthrough. And I guess one thing kind of led to another opportunity wise, but it was certainly very, very difficult. But like I said, I had my parents being the, the biggest supporters. They never, ever kind of place any doubt in my mind that I was making the wrong decision by pursuing this basketball, even though by sight it looked like I was pursuing a ghost. You know, it was never going to happen. Mm. Um, but they were the biggest supporters. And really, to be honest, they, they still are. So the, the element there of support that you had for, from your parents is something which even just having anybody in your corner, but when your parents are uh, encouraging you to pursue your dreams, there's a lot of people who have people in, in their lives who are kind of discouraging and maybe taking a view of, you know, it's not meant to be or whatever. But I imagine that uh, when coming to faith was part of that as well, is that is that something which kind of played, played a role in your belief and your kind of persistence with that dream? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was I was um, introduced the gospel my junior year in high school, and um, I was very fortunate because, like I said, one one of the people outside my parents that really had a big influence on my life, of course, Coach Dave Bellerman, but a guy by the name of Steve uh, Kerberg, and he was. <clears throat> we had a coaching change junior to senior year in um, high school. And Jimmy Just, the head coach, brought his staff along. And Steve was the assistant coach, head freshman coach. And what I found out is uh, they brought Fellowship of Christian Athletes over and had them speak to us, pray with us, share the gospel. And I had never been shared the gospel in an intimate way. I didn't grow up in a uh, faith-based family. We didn't you know, say prayers together or read the Bible. I didn't even know Jesus was the central figure of Christianity. I had, I was completely an outsider to religion. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they shared the gospel and, you know, some things struck home with me. They, they struck a chord in my heart and I began asking questions and hanging out with Steve. And what I found out is what he, he was a, he was a worship leader at the church directly behind my house. Like I literally yeah. walk out, I walk out my my gate of my backyard and I'm in the church's parking lot. Wow. So me and him, he became my mentor. I began going to church there. 
And um, that was when my faith journey really started. And, uh, you know, although I didn't become a reborn Christian, then I was I was a little more, I guess, uh, in tune with faith and making decisions based on faith rather than sight. And that really helped me out in my uh, my basketball career, because, um, you know, I just I had a hope always that I was going to eventually have breakthrough i was going to eventually get healthy that i was eventually going to get a scholarship that i was eventually going to get a, a contract to play in the nbl and that all kind of stems from you know um the lessons that steve you know brought to me and helped me with um in high school so uh he he, he deserves a big big amount of credit for you know my success and uh the level i was able to get through what's up on um and, you know, along with my parents, Steve's one of the most influential people in my life. Yeah, fantastic to have those sort of mentors who can encourage you not only in your career pursuits, but even personally as well. And mm. so often we see those stories in sport where a coach or somebody comes alongside an athlete and it's not just a coach and a player relationship, but there is that mentorship which takes place in sporting teams and sporting clubs as well. And I imagine mm. that now, even as a as a more senior player in the teams that you're involved with, do you have the opportunity to take that role on as well? Oh, most definitely. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, I'm pretty much looking at things through a coaching perspective at this point in my career. Um, and, and although I still have aspirations and I still uh, believe and I'm believing for a playing contract, you know, after this, but, you know, I can't find my identity and the level I'm playing at or the next contract or what's in my bank account and, and all that sort sort of stuff. It's all fleeting, you know, um, but That's the, right. the relation, the relationships you build with your teammates and that connection and being able to share something that really matters. Like at the end of the day, Sure, you'll win. You'll you'll win some championships in your career. You remember that it's the the players and, but at the end of the day, all that stuff is it's just here today, gone tomorrow. But you know, the word of God is eternal. The gospel, uh, that's the the good stuff. You know, that's the stuff that these athletes need to hear and to, they need to comprehend and. And they need to hear the truth, you know, and um, they need to be loved and they need to feel valued. Um, they struggle with confidence, just like everyday people. Um, we all do. At, the of, at the end of the day, I, I've had to remind myself to, you know, put the person first, not the player. Uh, I've struggled with that at times because I'm so competitive and I get tunnel vision as an as a professional, but you know, if you don't show that, you know, no one really cares what you know until they know how much you care. That's exactly so, right. You know, showing that you care about these guys and, and trying your best to, you know, make them better, even if it costs you and being sacrificial, I think that goes a long way. And at the end of the day, the impact that you make on them is going to last. Um, wins and losses. Sure, we all we all want to win, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's not, it's not the biggest thing. Yeah, and uh, you're you're involved with an organisation called Hoops for Christ Australia. 
Uh, what's your role there and, and can you tell us a little bit about that? So Hoops for Christ, um, I'm good friends with the founder, Phil Morrison. And so basically, Phil, um, between my contracts in Morocco and before actually I came uh, to Bendigal, I was training with Phil. He was helping me out, getting me ready for my season. And I was just doing clinics with him in camps. And, um, you know, we got over here, I met, I met Nods and we got married. And, and basically, Phil was, gave me the keys and said, look, you know, why don't you start running Hoops for Christ clinics in Australia? And uh, we started we started that in Bendigo in 2018. We ran a few in Brisbane uh, and, and uh, pretty much, um, I guess you can say I'm kind of uh, the director of Hoops for Christ Australia. Um, and it's still in the beginning stages, but um, we've ran, like I said, we've ran camps. I've done a, a bunch of speaking engagements where we've introduced the ministry and been able to uh, maybe do like a short little little clinic on top of speak to the youth at different churches. So um, it's very, very much in its beginning stages, but I think that there's a, a real need for uh, really uh, pure and genuine, you know, sports ministry um, in Australia. I think that faith and sports has been separated in this region. And um, I think that uh, the way basketball is growing and, uh, the need for the gospel, I think, is I think it's time for revival in that in that space, in sports ministry in Australia. So, I got big plans for it. I know that God's going to do some amazing things through the ministry, um, and yeah. So we're, we're just we're really excited about it, to be honest. Yeah, that's brilliant, and I'm I'm completely with you. Sports such a great uniter of people from different backgrounds and. You know, the tribalism even associated with sporting clubs and sporting communities, fans, is mm. such a great way of bringing people together. And if the the gospel can be used in that same sort of sphere, people united, and then you have the opportunity to share about your faith as well, as that's, that's fantastic. Mm. Um, I, I just wanted to touch as well on your own Jeremy Kendall basketball is that that's yeah. the commencement or kind of the the starting or the foundation of the route you want to go down post playing career? Yeah, so we started JKB um, in 2018. Um, so basically, it stems from my Christian beliefs, uh, the principles that I'm trying to uh, live out on a daily and putting others before myself. So even though I was in the prime of my playing career, I was coaching at least part-time um, from eight, 2018 onwards through JKB. And the reason was I wanted to, one, stay grounded and not have this tunnel vision of me, 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 Jeremy, 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 and not be able to give back to the community that I was a part of. And I felt like, well, why not do get into coaching? I want to be a coach one day. Let's let's start this way, and at least get some experience, help some people out. And there's a lot of uh, room for growth for me as a player. And I think looking things, looking through a coach's perspective, is really going to help me with that that space. And um, so yeah, JKB is essentially um, 
you know, uh, I specialize, I guess, in skill development. Um, do some, um, do some public speaking and run camps, clinics, individual coaching, uh, mentorship, like all that sort of stuff. But it all kind of stems from, um, you know, the Christian belief of just help enough other people get what they want in life. Ultimately, you'll get what you want, right? So, uh, and as I get older, my desires and convictions are shaped and changed. And I, I have, uh, I have kind of accepted this calling of I'm going to be a coach. And the best way to start and get experience in that space was to just go out and coach. So yeah. That's why we started the business, you know, and it's been an incredible. I mean, when I'm not playing, I'm pretty much running that full time. Um, and then when I get into my playing contracts with, for example, this is four months or NBL one is roughly about four or five months. I will taper back the coaching, but um, it's, it's year round. And uh, again, that's definitely an avenue that I think I'll go down once I'm done playing um, and where that goes, whether I get in the team coaching or just run the business full time, I'm not 100% for certain, but uh, I'm very excited about that as well. So kind of, I got a shout out for you. I kind of mentioned on social media that I was going to be having a conversation with you. And I had somebody comment with the handle JR underscore 1984 on Instagram and the comment was, Jeremy Kendall is a legit baller, should be currently on an NBL squad. So that kind of ties Come into on, what you were, just, you were just sharing. Um, you, you have ambitions to get back into the NBL, come back to For Australia? For sure. For sure. Shout out to what you are. JR1984. JR, shout out to the man. Um, I have to give him a follow. Uh, yeah, I think. I think I still have a few incredible seasons under, you know, in me. Um, and like I said, I, I believe that I'm capable of excelling at the NBL level and leading a team. Um, now there's things outside of just me performing that get me there. Right. I got to have the right, right partnerships, the right agent. I got to have the right, you know, some things have to fall in place. So that's, that's God's doing. I feel like I've accepted that if that's my lot, then God will open the door. I'm doing everything I can in order to put myself in a position that if someone in a leadership position sees me as the right candidate for a job, then I'll be ready. But um, yeah, like I said, um, all my incredible opportunities and mountaintop glory moments has have have followed a very uh a very desert-like season where i've been isolated and i've gone through pain you know and it's been suffering emotionally or mentally or even physically like with all the injuries but and that's kind of like where i've been the last few years not getting the nbl contract and um i've kind of been just in this desert season of waiting you know, and waiting and waiting um, and impatiently probably waiting more often than patiently. But um, at the same time, you know, God's preparing me for what is next. And I'm confident that 
my best days are ahead of me, whether that's in the NBL as a player or whether that's running my business full time or that's getting into coaching. Um, I'm not at all uh, worried about the future, um, but I'm, I'm certainly have unfinished business. I feel on the NBL. So if that opportunity presents itself, then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll handle that very well. I think at this point in my career. Yeah. I love the attitude that you've got to that, you know, seeing the, the dry or the desert kind of seasons as just opportunities to springboard out based on your past experience there. Um, mm. Time, time's got the better of us tonight, but I finish every podcast with the same question for every guest. And I'll ask you now, how does JK want to be remembered? I want to be remembered for um, someone who made the people around him better. You know, um, as a, a child of God, as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a son, as a brother, as a, a teammate, coach, um, a business owner, a person in the community. I want to be remembered for someone who added value onto others and, you know, no matter the cost or sacrifice, did what was right. You know, and uh, I think when you when you do when you do those things, when you're adding value and you're trying to do what's right on the basketball court and off, I think uh, I don't think I know that, you know, good things are in store, um, even though it may not look like it at times. I know the good Lord is going to work everything out for your good. So that's how I want to be remembered. That's and I made great. others better, and I did things the right way. Brilliant. And uh, I look forward to following your journey, seeing, you know, where, where we go to from from here. I'd love to see you back in the NBL again. Uh, how can our listeners follow you if they want to follow along with your journey? Um, just follow me on uh, Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, Jeremy Kendall B-Ball is uh, – my Instagram handle, Jeremy Kennel Basketball on Facebook. Um, I think that's probably the best two ways, and you get updates on there. And I have a website as well. So, um, Jeremy Kennel Basketball.com. Um, you get some, some good stuff on there as well, but mostly active on all my socials and giving, giving updates and what my wife and the family's up to. Yeah, great. And, You've just given it away that if you give you a compliment, you get a follow back as well. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate you, Jason. Thanks for having me on, man. JK, thanks for your time. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Press Toward the Goal podcast, take a minute to give us a rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening to. Make sure you follow us on Instagram where the handle is Press Toward the Goal all one word. You can also find us on YouTube, where unedited video recordings of the conversations featured on this show will be posted. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to sharing another conversation with you soon.